Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads, A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 199. Are you two in a clash of kings? I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts. And yes, are you ready for this episode and also right around the corner from 200? Do you know that one screen cap of Lisa Simpson where she's kind of sitting with her jaw open, slack jawed, looking incredulous? Every time you say, are you ready? We're going to find that meme and we're going to put it in the details. It's the most important thing I've ever said on this podcast. It's my podcast. I can say that. But yeah, that's me. Every time you say, are you ready? This is this is me. I hope everyone at home has opened the details of this podcast in order to see this meme and to understand that it's me. Eliana hasn't even seen it. You might even be seeing it before. I don't even know. I'm not sure I know what this meme is. I'll find it for you. Okay. Yeah, this is, once again, Arya in the Riverlands, traveling, starting to warm up to this band of friends. Maybe I have- oh wait, no, I think I have. I have seen this meme. Chloe posted it in our notes as we were recording, so I'm not sure I get it, but I have seen it. (laughs) Every time you say, are you ready, just know that is my face. (laughs) Yeah, we have traveled around. We're in the Riverlands. We're not on a great path. Things are going to get bad from here on out, but we're excited to be here with you all, just like we were excited to have brunch this past weekend with our Discord friends in that Thunder tier and above. That was that was a blast, actually. We watched a lot of great YouTube videos. We made a meme. Oh my god, we did. did we? You, did we ever yeah, make a meme? Yeah, you all together, the spirit of friendship, made a meme, which unfortunately for some reason involved Chris and Cole, but... <laughs> Uh, like so, all good so memes like, do. So I'm like, uh, how good of a meme could it have been? I mean, it was a great meme. It just sucks that the subject was Kristen Cole, you know? Yeah. Please log on to our Twitter, or I guess I need to post it on our Blue Sky. Oh. Blue Sky account you as well. You haven't posted on our Blue Sky? Yeah. I have to post our Kristen Cole mall cop meme. That is, the joke is a good one. It's better when you see it. More to come. Thanks to all the patrons for hanging out. If you are a patron of ours, there are some perks. Patrons in the Thunder tier, and that's the $10 and up tier, they get a chance to come hang out on the private Discord server as well, as well as well as attend monthly brunch slash happy hour. August has passed, but September 23rd, Saturday at 3 p.m. ET, we will be gathering once more on the Discord server to chat maybe watch youtube videos like the youth do or once did More like youtube yeah youtube makes me feel young they were good videos you know it all started with an idea a thought a prayer and it carried on from there so i loved it yeah uh we talk about stuff we play games sometimes we do a lot it's a fun crew but we'd love to have you there as well and that's not the only perk for patrons patrons in the stranger tier that's the five dollar tier and up get bonus episodes and eliana what episode did we just record i know you're still chopping it up diligently you're getting that puppy out there yeah we just recorded do revenge which is a netflix channel original movie we just thought it would be really fitting with Arya's storyline as she learns about you know doing revenge and also includes sophie turner aka sansa stark making a little little sachet across our screens 
Yeah, but this time, the snow that Sansa Stark has isn't in Winterfell. <laughs> oh my god, it's in her nose. And... <laughs> I don't do cocaine. cocaine! It's a great film. Yeah. Such a good film. You have to watch it, everyone. Get on Netflix. Give it a watch. Uh, it was a fun episode to record, too. We talk a lot about influences. Lots of teen movies, right? Like, your 10 Things I Hate About You, your Heathers... Your cruel intentions, some of the greats. We talk a lot about that, and I think that you will all enjoy it. Not even just teen movies. Chloe flexes a little bit and talks about a lot of other classic movies that are part of any film canon. Aw, thanks, babe. <laughs> you all can't see her, but Eliana's hair looks great today. It's just been cleaned. Opinion. It's just been washed. You did a really good job on it, so Thank keep it you. up. Unlike it up. Arya in this chapter, <laughs> who who has not cleaned her hair in a very long time and still won't. I did message you before this, and I was like, oh, you're not going to method act? You're not going to method podcast this one and just stay really filthy? I thought about it. I showered too today, just for this. Yeah, just for this. Just for all of you. <laughs> well... We did get some emails and tweets of note, but I'm really stressed this week, so we're going to come back to them next week. Yeah. Because we want to, as usual, be able to give it the time and attention and response that your emails and tweets of note or skeets on Blue Sky deserve. Of note? Yeah, may or may not deserve, asterisk. Asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I retain that right. Yeah. We always do. It's our podcast, as Chloe's reminded us at the beginning. Yeah. And another really fun thing I get to do on my podcast that Eliana lets me do every single week, my god, she's an angel, <laughs> is a lightning round. You probably remember this if you've listened to any of our other episodes, but here we are at the front of another lightning round where we catch up on the chapters that you may have missed between The last time we were with Arya Stark in Arya 1 in A Clash of Kings. Those chapters start off now with Sansa 1. It's King Joffrey's birthday and he's the whopping wise age of attempting to murder people at tourneys for a lark. Woo. Well, you say it's your birthday. Gonna kill someone. Oh, I was about to be like, it's your birthday, boy, I know it. Oh, okay. But then I'm like, maybe not. Maybe not birthday sex. Go, Joffrey. It's your birthday. We're going to kill people like it's your birthday. Yeah. But nobody dies, thankfully, because that would be bad luck, obviously. Yes, little bird. (laughs) Tyrion won. Tyrion is accepted, reluctantly, by some, as the new Hand of the King. And then also Varys discovers Shay. Dun-dun-dun. Bran won. Things that are cool in Winterfell. Comets, wolves, wolf howls, wolf dreams, things that are not cool. The phrase. Boo. Boo. I mean, they're not that bad of a band. They're fine. I mean, they're like pop alternative, you know, how to save a life. Someone pointed out that like that song, it's been out like what, 15 years now or something like that. And I was like, why would you say that to me? Worse is like one of my really <gasps> vibrant memories of that song is hearing it all the time when I was working retail when I was a teenager. So I'm yeah. like, not only has it been out 15 years, 15 years ago, 
I was young. <laughs> I actually do like that song, but as you are no, like saying, like it's it was just overplayed. I I bet I could listen to it again. It holds up. I listened to it drunk a few weeks ago, and oh. uh, it holds up. That and oh, the other the other ones that sound just like them. The script. That's the other one that sounds I think almost I exactly the like them. Hmm. We'll catch up offline. So okay, Eliana. so back to this song of Ice and Fire. Good save, good save. Thank you. Arya 2 in A Clash of Kings. The Gold Cloaks come to take back a member of the Night's Watch to Beers. The troop has traveled from dawn to dusk. At night, they make camp and eat by the light of the Red Sword Comet, as they've called it. They watch the firelight flicker through the trees of other campers. More camps have appeared each night. More people on the King's Road, old folk, children, men, women, girls, babes, farm wagons, ox carts, all of them bump along. But more often, these people are riding. Ponies, mules, horses, donkeys, anything that can run or roll. Yeah, look at all these different kinds of horses and horse adjacents. There's also a cow, which is not a horse. They're just missing the Mulefa. Yeah, that's true. The Mulefa. <laughs> Most of the travelers were walking toward the city, towards King's Landing, and one in a hundred spared even the look or word toward the group going north. Arya wonders, why is no one going north, where we're going? Most of the travelers are armed also with daggers, dirks, sides, axes, and here and there, a sword. Some had carved clubs from tree limbs, I understand this from playing Zelda, uh, or knobby staffs, all giving lingering looks toward the wagons as they go by. Couple things from the series that come to mind for me here. Just the language of Arya wondering why no one else is trying to go north is reminiscent of Osha with Bran. She had just told Bran recently, right, that Rob should have been going north, that he's going the mm. wrong way. So there's kind of a little language there that makes me think about that with the real war being in the north. Especially as we go through this chapter, I'll likely point out some of the language that is pretty reminiscent of the North, and I know you might too. Uh, there's a lot of language. I think it's something that you may also be pointing out today, how there's a lot of language about the battle-torn land that they're going to come across and the lack of resources and how people are dying out and disappearing. It definitely seems to keep coming up as a motif. And of course, all these people are heading towards King's Landing because they're looking toward the King. For safety as the war and hardship begins to be refugees in the capital because they don't feel safe anymore in their homes. And especially with that and the carved weaponry that we're hearing described, it reminds me a lot of the free folk as well when they cross the wall with their weaponry and they give their weaponry to, of course, Stannis and his men and John and the watch. Kind of a pilgrimage of sorts. I think there's a lot of great bits of these Clash and Storm arcs aligning I was looking ahead to like Bran and Arya 4 and a lot of crossover there as the war is chasing them in these complete opposite directions between the Lannisters and Rob's armies and the others in the north. What you're saying about the refugees and like how people are seeking refuge in the cities, right, in King's Landing, part of it has to do with the walls, but it also reminds me of another character we've discussed as having a lot of parallels with Arya's story too, Davos, when he goes and he visits mm. the Manderleys, right? Because... White Harbor is also full of lots of refugees from the war, and mm -hmm. it really makes me think of, like, what, I mean, what is it going to mean for winter and when the others do come, They when the war does come south, right? And now you've got all of these people pulled together in one place with these walls. 
I just read the fourth Expanse book, and I have to tell you that it has a lot of stuff about this too in there. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. I won't spoil you. It's okay. I'm a Shonley, so I kind of know what happens. Arya remembers Sirio's words to look with your eyes, listen with your ears. On one of the days in the travel, a woman on the road had screamed at them. She was scarecrow thin, with hollow eyes and bloody feet. Another day, a merchant on a gray mare offered to buy all of Yorin's wagons and their products for a quarter of their worth, saying that in war, they'll be taken anyway. Better to make the money now. Very little finger vibes there, truly. Mm. Arya noticed the very first grave that day, dug for a child, a crystal set in the earth to mark it. Lamy had wanted to take the crystal, but the bull told him, leave the dead alone. After that, Arya sees graves everywhere. Yeah, they started becoming more frequent. My note here says big sad. Mm, I feel that. Oh, <laughs> It is, though. <laughs> big sad. That is the feeling. Thank you for such a lovely, expressive way to declare your sadness, because I, too, am big sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big sad over the little grave. Well, well more to come. <laughs> yeah, there is more to come. Like, for example, Arya waking up in the dark once, frightened the red sword aka the comet, is above all of them. They were just calling it Red Sword with capital letters here now. She hears the ambience of the camp and the snores of Yorin and the donkeys, and she's like, ooh, the silence, it makes her shiver. She's like, that's weird. And then she wakes up in the morning, clutching needle, and she realizes the reason the silence felt so uncanny to her was because of Praed, one of the men who had passed away. It was her coughing that she realized was missing the previous night. So she's she's really actually even learning to listen and see, even with her unconsciously while she's sleeping she digs a cell sword they dig that cell sword prayed a grave and strip him of his valuables before they bury him and one man takes his boots another his dagger and then his mail shirt and his helm are parceled out the bull is given his long sword they toss acorns on his grave in hopes that an oak may grow to mark his place and I don't know. I just I thought that was nice amidst that kind of sadness. You know, they gr- they throw this oak on there, like this hope that even amongst all this death, there can still be life. It can still provide something. And it also makes me think of, granted, they are not doing a revolution right now. No one is doing that. But that line from Lame is the song and rain will make the flowers grow and that the rain being blood. Eventually hoping that beauty and freedom will come from it. That's not what we're at here yet. I think we are we are far from that point in the story. We're still just at big sad, but there's hope. I like that a lot, especially with the oak, like that it's something hopeful and something, a, a way to mark him almost as human, right? And you think of the, the popular phrase, the phrase that dunk the tall made so popular of oak and iron serving him well, or else he's damned and doomed to hell. Oak is like a like a totem, right? Something that people can hope upon and that they feel like it's a recurring thing. If it grows, it's strong, it's consistent. It's like a rock. And there's something, I think it was Adewell actually, that talked about like the crystal being placed on the grave being, you know, an old pre-war human tradition. It's a form of solace. And them growing a tree is almost like a, a bigger example. You know, a crystal is something that can just be stolen It's just a shiny rock, but a tree can provide shelter. It can provide a home to more than one animal, right? Several animals could live within it. It can provide a house if you cut it down. It can be part of a home. You know, it it can provide a lot of things. I don't know. So I think that's something interesting that they're planting something so much more than just a crystal. It's persistence. It's life. Because a tree is alive, right? And you think about Mm -hmm. 
than the children of the forest, right? Where the weirwoods placed upon dead bodies. And then the idea that, sure, the weirwoods are an example of something literally living on in the weirwood, but like even then, someone like Prade, who never comes up again in this story, but still, the idea that we still live on through other people and leave a mark in this world. And the trees, the tree is a signifier of that. I love that acorns become such kind of like a, a, a symbolic thing, right? Because then we go to Acorn Hall mm-hmm. and then Arya wears the dress with the, the embroidered acorns all over the bodice that she gets borrowed. I don't know. It, it's something hopeful about her plot too, right? The acorns keep appearing in it. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Little motif to pay attention to. I'll try to dig out those acorns more. A couple other things popping out here to me. Gendry getting his longsword here from Prade dying and Yorin giving him the sword happens. Uh, that stood out to me because not too long ago, John had the chapter where he got Longclaw, right? So we have mm. some swords being gifted down here. It's not really a victory for either, right? Like for Gendry, they lost the first man in their retinue and shit feels not great. And for Jor, it's like, my son failed. Could you be my new one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's great. But they are both like the new father figures, you know, in their lives. And John does earn it. Yeah, for what well, it's no, worth, no, I would I say he does earn it. I was just going to say John's it. just a better son than Jorah, as far as I can tell, so. Yeah, well, low bar to stumble over. Okay, Aliana. I mean, that's why Danny's going to choose him and not Jorah. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's interesting to have Yorin be kind of a paternal father figure for these brothers that he's bringing this new generation of brothers sons to him right Mm. he kind of is one of gendry's new father figures considering the other father figure he really had was tobo mott because he seemingly Mm. took him in once his mother had died right he was just a fucking orphan running around king's landing until then tobo mott was probably one of the better things to happen to him rather than being in the castle where he'd probably get poisoned and die Yeah, actually, and I mean, he's got a skill, right? And it's a good skill, it's a lucrative skill, especially because he's strong enough to do it. And I call him Gendry here, but I gotta point out, we don't know it's Gendry, quote-unquote, we don't know it's Gendry yet, (laughs) right? Like, till the end of the chapter, we don't hear his name. It's really well done that we don't know he's the bull. Yeah, we do kind of know because of the, the helm, right? But at the same time, you're right, it's not told to everyone yet, the name, and that that isn't that thread isn't drawn and even the his true name right like he doesn't even know it but you were talking about the distribution of the sword and not only is the sword something that he gets like everyone they distribute the boot and the dagger and like on one hand it can be seen as scavenging right but on the other hand there's something like kind of great about it in terms of i mean they're sharing this they're trying to survive during this difficult time But beyond that, it does also even remind me later on, right, of Arya taking the boots off of a different Night's Watchman much later on, Damien. I mean, she kills him, so it's pretty different, but... (laughs) But we we use every part of the animal when you kill a man, you know? Mm. Like, we need those spare parts. You don't just throw out goods. Yeah. My god, that's what I do in Medieval Dynasty. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Oh, (laughs) two different people. Very, very different people in this world. (laughs) They stop at an inn that night, and Yorin has just enough for a hot meal for everyone. They plan to sleep outside, but they at least get to eat and they take a shower. Arya does not dare, of course, but some of the other boys line up. The rest of them crowd into the common room. Lamy is sent to feed and water the jailed trio out in the cart. 
Yeah, there was this line, you know, you're talking about the method acting of Arya, and um, it's oh just, God, it you. was kind of cute. It stood out to me of the, some of the creatures living in her clothes had come all the way from Flea Bottom with her. It didn't seem right to drown them. And I just thought this is like, there's a sweet childishness in this thinking from Arya. And I think it's really sad you get to a point where she's like, man, I don't even want to kill the fleas to the point where Arya's like, yeah, we'll kill this guy. Whatever. I I wonder if she would even feel differently about animals in general. Granted, she's been killing pigeons to eat them, but she's just so lonely and friendless right now amongst all these people that she's like, I'm going to keep these critters alive. Uh, yeah, interesting what survival does to a human, right? Bit by bit, you lose a lot of those morals if it means eating my god, uh, just the other day in Medieval Dynasty, I was thinking how horrible it is when I kill some of these animals in the game. And then like you, it gives you like an up close, like you're skinning them, it's gross. You hear the noise, you see them collapse, I'm like, should I, should I stop eating meat? This is horrible. But Arya loses that real fast, especially when it means she gets some rabbit. Some good-ass rabbit. And you get that, you know? You gotta eat. Yeah. And I will say... After a while, you know, the skin starts to be irritated from not cleansing. We see how it how it works for Theon. That True. he, you know, doesn't have a great time and he's you know, you chafe, you you don't feel great. So I'm praying for that chapter that I know is coming where she finally gets to wash. Yeah. Yeah. Praying for it. Washed or unwashed, they do eat hot pork pies, baked apples, and drink beer from the mm. innkeep. The innkeep tells them that, oh, he had a brother who took the black after being caught stealing some pepper from the lord that they served table. It was just a pinch of pepper, too, right? Not a lot. But Sir Malcolm was a hard man, and off he went to the wall. He asks if there's any pepper at the wall, and the man shakes his head, and the, the innkeep goes, shame. Link loved that pepper. Reminds me a bit later that John thinks about getting some spices and a few things when he gets the money and the loan. He thinks about all the different things he could get for the wall. Spices make a motherfucker happy, you know? Yeah. Those little luxuries keep your revolting colony in order. I'm just saying. Honestly, yeah, I think, well, granted, this Night's Watchman, I guess, would know better if they have pepper or not. But, like, it's possible. It could happen. Things wash up there. And, I don't know, it just makes me so sad, like, every read-through, even the first one, right? It how this really shows that wealth inequality. This man just wanted a little bit of pepper, something that we as modern people would take for granted. Like, I'm over here being mad that my pepper mill, which is not like a good one, it was, it, it came with it, right? Like, with all of it from the grocery store. I paid like $3 for this. And it doesn't even, like, make my pepper. It doesn't even crack it well. And I'm just like, dang, this guy sent, got sent to the wall just for a little pep. Girl, I had one and it broke out of nowhere. And yeah. for like two months I complained. And you know what I did finally? I ordered it online and it came the next day. Yeah. And Link went to the wall. Yeah. And he's never going to get pepper again. You know, it's just so sad. And he can't even order a pepper shaker. He cannot. And if he did, and it's going to come from the other side of the world. He'll probably die by the time it gets there. There's ice zombies. He might actually have already died to them. And that's why today I'm asking you to donate one stag every week if you donate one stag every week you can sponsor a night's watchman today please call me at one eight 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 john snow i repeat one eight 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 john snow um no does, i'm just kidding but does have a perfect amount of letters in his name for a phone number that's so true i know it came to me as i said it it came to me as i said it thank you thank you 
it's too bad we don't see Link at the wall. I was kind of looking through and I really don't think we see him again. I was hoping maybe we'd see him like in the background in another chapter, unless it's like a nicknamed guy, but maybe we'll meet him in the Winds of Winter. I had a cat named Link. Uh, he passed. He's not with us. But Link was very old, my cat. He was like 19, which is pretty old for a cat. And that is. I believe he passed at 20 and he was blind and arthritic and crazy. Uh, but that's kind of what I imagine this Link as as well. Spelled a little differently. But George should introduce Link. Maybe Link's at Eastwatch. Maybe we'll meet him in T-Wow. Oh, yeah. If he's at Eastwatch, he has even more of a chance of getting Pepper. And then dying. <laughs> that's true, too. But you know what? Gets a taste of pepper, I guess. I don't know. I thought you were going to say earlier, everyone, just donate a single pepper corn. If you donate one silver stag a week, you can pay for Link's peppercorn addiction. <laughs> addiction. Again, that's one eight 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 John Snow. Thanks. Uh, this chapter index, though, coming back to kind of what you said about that very sad inequality going on. <laughs> There's a lot of that peppered <laughs> throughout the chapters. I'm so yeah. sorry. There, there is a lot of that peppered through these chapters, though, where you learn that the watch was once celebrated, I think, of what Alisan convinced Jaehaerys to do. And now the watch is just fleeing on the road as if they're, well, they are criminals, but like they're, you know, they should have some decorum and they're fleeing on the road like the other people fleeing from war. They're living their lives providing through basically crime, right? Like, these chapters deteriorate fast. They run out of food. They have to go a very long distance, and they start poaching, basically. Mm. There's a moment There's a moment in these chapters where Yorin sends out, and it kind of reminds me of Stannis a little bit. I'm sure I'll call it out. I think it might be next chapter, but a very Stannis-like. Yorin sends poachers who got caught and sent to the dungeon and now have to go live their lives in the Night's Watch because they were poaching on someone else's land, to go poach. He's like, all right, go ahead and go hunt. Because, like, that's the thing. When you're hungry, when you're dying, when your people are hungry and dying, you have to eat, you have to hunt. Like, the irony that you have to go do your fucking crime to get by as you go to be jailed, basically, for your life at this colony for doing a crime. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, Jorn's like, I don't know, fuck it. Just, you're already doing the time anyway. Who cares how many more sins you do? And... Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it, it really is messed up. You know, it's not like the, the lords need those animals. It's not like they are hunting them to death, as far as we know, because environmental protections are important, but I don't think these lords care about the environmental protections. They're just... What gives that away? It's just greed. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, you know, people are getting locked up for things that, that other people get to enjoy, and for what, right? It's like, you know, the thing about parking tickets it's not that you're not allowed to park somewhere it's just how much does it cost to park there i have to tell you it, it's my favorite quote you know what it reminds me of no it reminds me of egret right her speech you call us thieves but at least a thief has to be brave and clever and quick a kneeler mm. only has to kneel it's one of the best fucking quotes in the whole thing my god go listen to the john chapter that it happens in because I know we quote it, because I know I was like, it's my favorite quote in the whole fucking thing. It Aww. is. It's it's uh, it's such a great back and forth, right? Of like, okay, you draw a fucking imaginary line and you say, this is my territory. I decided it's here. You can't come past it. This is my woods. You can't have the animals that all of a sudden wander into it. This is mine. This is this. Like, oh, okay. Where's everyone else gonna fucking live, homie? Yeah. 
And Arya, I mean, she's not really pondering any of this yet, right? Like, she still doesn't truly get it. She she sips her beer, and all that it really inspires is her is remembering the time that her dad would let them let her have a cup. And Sansa uh-huh. would make a face and say that wine tasted finer. But Arya's like, I don't know, I like beer well enough, but like, glad you had potable drink. And she gets sad, though, thinking of her father and Sansa. Not everything in Arya's life is going good, right? Like, her family's dead. And well, her dad in front of her and like her her brother and mother are gonna be dead soon too so you're fucking fun at parties what's happening here not at podcasts (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know i think it's because she got sad thinking of like those good times with her dad and sansa and i was like dang same i'm sad thinking about you thinking about them and it is sad, right? Like, it's such a natural pang. You drink a beer and you're like, oh, this makes me think of so-and-so. They hate beer. She's like, like, pour one out for dad. Pour one out, yeah. <laughs> dad would love this beer. Sansa would have fucking hated it. Miss yeah. that bitch. She does think about Sansa. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Who knew? I thought she hated her. I thought Arya was this... I feel like you're very Arya coded here, but I'm Sansa coded that I would drink the wine, you would drink the beer. I thought about that, but I've seen you drink a lot of beer, so I was like, no. Really? I mean, so here's a memory that someone loves of Chloe, right? Our friend, I don't know if she wants her name out on there, but I, I remember once upon a time at one of the cons, she was below your room and she throws up, not not vomits. <laughs> she literally, like, with her hand throws into the air a national bohemian and a natty bow our craft local beer in the mid-atlantic and you caught and it catch and it you, yeah and you drink it so right that in there well i will say i don't hate beer i like beer there are some beers that have my heart but they are very filling for me and i get heartburn easily so i have to be careful because, like, I'll drink three beers and I'll be like, I'm good, I'm going to bed. You know, I'm full. It's liquid time bread. Time for bed. Yeah. It is liquid bread. So I have to be in the mood and it has to be the right one. But Natty Bohemian is very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Our friend our friend that brought it every year, she would bring me a box of wine to the convention we will be seeing each other at. And Natty Bohemian because I can't get it. But uh, Natty Bo, yeah. Natty Bo is the guy. He's the man. And I went to a great... It's actually like the classic, uh, the, some of the people that started MAGFest and supported it and worked for it for many, many years, the Bros, the Baltimore Rock Opera, it's one oh. of their favorite beers. <laughs> yeah, right. A great, great abbreviation. Who knew? But it's one of their favorite beers. And they also put on a really amazing con slash event really called BitGen, where it's, uh, they've rented out the Auto Bar in Maryland oh. before, in Baltimore before, That's and fun. a couple other places. And they haul in a bunch of consoles. And they have two stages oscillating, going back and forth, where bands are playing the whole time. So you have music, video game music bands, whether they're metal or, you know, rock opera, or there's some acoustic, some great classical acoustic players. Some of my buddies, they're called the Super Guitar Bros. They rock. They're from Michigan. Um, Bands like that that are just like fucking fantastic are playing while you can get drunk and play video games. So it's basically an amazing event, like one day event. A long time ago, I swear it was two days one year, but they had a green room that I was in with some friends one year, and they opened a fridge, and they had a barrel, too, filled with ice and just natty bohemian, and it was just fucking stacked, like, to the rim of the fridge, to the rim of the barrel. It was amazing. That little man with his beautiful fucking mustache is just and staring up eye. at me. 
Yeah. And his one eye, I love him so much, you know, he's just looking up at me. God, and um, it also became a little bit of a meme in some of the friend group. They we, we had masks one year. We had Natty Bohemian masks on popsicle sticks we were wearing. It was a time. Uh, but Natty Bo was always involved. It was just the beer of choice. And I think it's more of a nostalgia than it is, uh, no, it, which which is what Arya's beer drinking is, to be fair. But <laughs> but it is good. It's also good. It's I like a very it. great, simple, like if I need a simple water... N- Water, Listen, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I don't I drink beer if it doesn't have a flavor. Okay, so if I'm drinking a Miller High Life, yeah. as Eliana may like, it's, or a no, Light, no, no, no. as Miller my family High Life may is like, not a beer. It is champagne. Oh so. my god. Yeah. See, I'll drink one of those though. Like, I'm not against it. It's just uh, I will say I won't do an IPA if you ever offer me an IPA. I'll laugh in your face. <laughs> it's like heartburn in a bottle. I just can't do the hops, man. I can't do it. I usually can't do IPAs. I like some of the citrus ones. Like I like um, this one's also a Baltimore beer. I think it's called Bloodline. Mm. Yeah, this one's also from a Baltimore brewery, um, Bloodline from Flying Dog, and yeah, I can do that one. I I know that like <sighs> what is this? This brewery. This one's like a San Diego based brewery. I can't remember the name anymore. But the the grapefruit sculpin. I love that one, but I hear like their stuff has been less good lately since that brewery got bought out. But anyway, Natty Bo, also a uh, Baltimore beer. So though that brewery actually no longer is based in Baltimore, but we don't we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> it's like how Yingling isn't actually in Pennsylvania; it's in Ohio. Boo! It wasn't. Oh, interesting. I remember I was like in the town close to where it was made. I don't know when it moved, but. Uh, it was so cheap. Out it here, was like 25 cents for a beer. Anyways. That's amazing. While we're out here, I gotta promote my some of my favorite beers just because um, Michigan also has a great amount of brewers that rock. It's like a total beer state. Highly recommend and shout out to Michigan Beer. Soft Parade by Shorts Brewery is one of the best beers in the entire world. They did come out with a slightly less ABV because it was a gravity ale. It's a fruit gravity ale. It was, um, you could drink two to three and you'd be like, okay, have a nice day. Gotta go. Gotta get my Uber home and maybe finish this last one at home. Um, It was like a large percentage of booze. It was a lot for an ale, and they did soften that, so most of the time now, if you're getting it, it might not be the heavy ABV. I think they do carry the heavy ABV, so look for it in stores if they carry shorts still. Duclaw, out here on the East Coast in Maryland as well. Sweet Baby Jesus. Oh, the it peanut is butter one. Oh. Peanut butter chocolate yes. porter. It is one of my favorites. God, it's fucking amazing. I'm a porter and stout person, so I also have to really recommend... Uh, Atwater Brewery in Detroit does a dark chocolate and a vanilla Java Porter. So two separate beers, but they are delicious. I also love a Neapolitan stout that I want to say is Saugatuck, another Michigan. But basically, I like to drink dessert. Yeah. I can't help who I I am. I mean, it's almost that season, right, for all those dark beers, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Yeah, I'm sure they're drinking like a... Here in this bar, more of a, you know, a Pilsner, maybe, or a Weedy, or a, what do you think? What do you think they're drinking? Um, so my understanding is that medieval beer actually didn't really have hops, right? They were just like, we need to make a beer because the water is unclean. So mm-hmm. it's like probably only 1-2% to 2% ABV. The whole point is just killing bacteria. So Miller no- Light. 
Yeah, essentially, or if even. Wow. Our friend More Tana like thinks I don't like good beer, but I do like good beer. Tana thinks I don't like good beer because I ordered, like, I think a PBR when I went drinking with her that one time. No Tana. shame in a PBR. Yeah, right? Anyway. God. Um, Tana, I'm shaming you. I'm shaming you. <laughs> uh, t- and then now we're out here being like, but what about champagne and the Miller High Life? <laughs> so I probably have not dissuaded Tana's impression of me. Uh, anyway, so, so... The common room erupts in scornful conversation when Yorin tells the innkeep that they're going north. The innkeep tells them, there's no going north. Fields are burnt. People are holed up inside their holdfasts. And you were talking a little bit earlier about how it reminds you of stuff going on with, with the others and Osha telling them they're going the wrong way. They got to be heading north. I think you only are supposed to head north if you're planning on fighting the others. Everyone's going the correct way if they're trying to run from the bad stuff and you know this refugee situation you're talking about it really mirrors the situation that john is encountering soon right all of the free folk who are also migrating south they are not going north because like no why would i go north that's where the others are they're fleeing that violence same as what this man says there's no going north anymore but there's no burnt fields obviously right it's just ice instead because it's a song of ice and fire and there's also no graves either for them, right? Arya sees graves everywhere as evidence that things are going on. And for them, it's not. It's just a barren wasteland. And there's no graves because their loved ones aren't being buried. They're dead and coming back to life. Pray. Yeah. They're alive. Wow, I didn't know you were going to end that on such a, a crazy note. Thank you. I'm kind of no, breathing and reeling. It's true. They're, they're, they rise. They're like oh, um, the oak. You know, one of my vendors is on the West Coast, and I always, whenever I, like, send them an email, I'm like, when you rise, oh when God. you awaken today, when you lift, awaken. and I always send a picture of Nosferatu with it, you know, just <laughs> really, when you rise, they think that's pretty funny. Uh, no, this is such a great mirror all throughout this, right? Even the way that through these chapters, and it maybe it comes back to, like, Bran especially, you realize that they're going around the god's eye almost in like a three-quarter circle because they have to avoid the violence they come upon, right? So it feels aimless and pointless, not unlike those long, icy fields and rocks and trees we see beyond the wall in these John chapters and later the Bran chapters. The burnt wasteland really isn't that different from the icy one. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But Yorin insists it doesn't matter what banners any of these places fly. Tully, Lannister, the Watch takes no part. Hmm. Arya thinks, it matters to me. Her grandfather is Lord Tully, but she keeps her mouth shut and listens instead. For a minute, at least. For a minute. <laughs> I think this is another way, you know, we're told constantly that the the small folk don't care about the games that the High Lords play. And I'm like, so this is a reminder that, Arya, you are a little bit of a High Lord here, right? She's like, it matters to me. That's my grandfather. And also, I'm not sure if she's ever met him. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Which is sad. He's just not in great health, and she's not very old, so I don't know like when it would have happened in that time period. It doesn't seem like they did a lot of traveling to River Run. Yeah. Not in the last decade, at least. It seems like yeah. Rob might have met him, but... I think so. But in eight, like it sounds like they did... But in the, everyone's defense, it's a really long trip. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole book or half a book worth of a trip. <laughs> the innkeep goes on to explain, it's not just the war. The clans of the Mountain of the Moon are at it again. 
and he's heard the dead hand's son is riding into battle on a wolf, one man adds. My god, like in fucking Anchorman. God, <laughs> Brick, you killed a man with a trident on a wolf. He killed a man with a wolf. Yeah, little known fact, that's actually where George got this line from. <laughs> on a wolf. Yeah, just like he got this whole story from the television show. He's like, King's Landing, Whale's Vagina. Oh my god. So Arya, of course, is listening intently. Yorn is spitting and saying that it's all fool's talk. Another tale ends up being told. At the god's eye, speaking of wolves, there's a wolf pack led by a giant vengeful she-wolf. And they say, a bitch. From the seventh hell. From the seventh hell. And I'm like, oh yes, the brewery. Raging bitch. Uh, beer. <laughs> which is a different beer. Also from Flying Dog Brewery. Anyways. Uh, we have a uh, Arya wondering if it's Nymeria, and unfortunately Arya does not have a map. She cannot just pull out her smartphone to figure out the lay of the land that they speak of, and remembers her and Jory throwing rocks at Nymeria, screaming for her to leave. I forgot Jory helped her with that. That was really nice of him. Yeah, Jory was a fucking good one. It's a real one. <laughs> Shit. Ow. Uh, we have this exchange. <clears throat> I heard this hell bitch walked into a village one day. A market day. People everywhere. She walks in, bold as you please, and tears a baby from his mother's arms. When the tale reached Lord Moton, him and his son swore they put an end to her. They tracked her to her lair with a pack of wolf hounds and barely escaped with their skins. Not one of those dogs came back. Not one. That's just a story. Wolves don't eat babies. And what would you know about it, lad? Asked the man in the green cloak. Before she could think of an answer, Yorn had her by the arm. The boy's green sick on beer. That's all it is. Good cover. Uh, thank you. I wanted to really take you by surprise with where I took that. I'm yeah, glad yeah. that it went well. The Wild West. <laughs> well, I'm just simple country folk from out here in the rear lands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Migrated up from, you know, the reach. My family came from the reach. We were simple farmers. Um, <clears throat> so, very sad, big sad going on here. Mm -hmm. um, bummer for all, where Arya kind of, I think, did a lot of the old repression when it came to Nymeria and having to throw rocks at her. And then, like, a couple weeks later, her dad is, like, a traitor and dying, and now she's eating pigeons on the road and in King's Landing, but all that stuff happened really quickly, and it's interesting because in a Game of Thrones, after it happens, not only are we so removed from Arya until that first chapter that George, like, waits and makes us wait for the Arya chapter, but then also she doesn't really think about it a lot in a Game of Thrones, and now it's like a memory that's awakening. It's rushing to the surface. A traumatic one, right? Uh, one memory that makes her feel ashamed to have done that, not only to Nymeria, but to herself, to an extension of herself, to a part of herself, right? Like, if Needle is a part of her, Nymeria is more than that. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, she repressed all that trauma, and she's gonna have to repress all this one, too, from all the, all these dead people. <laughs> the next few books, if you just want to mark those off. All these are things that Arya will get trauma from. So, you don't really get, I think, as you said, that, that deep view of what happened with her in Nymeria until, like, it's very sparse, right? She's just... Mm -hmm. That was a really painful time at the Trident for her. Not only did she have to make her wolf go away, her friend died. And she doesn't even 
have the heart to touch on that. She lost a lot of important people and animals in her life that day. She wonders if Nymeria would even recognize her now, and she thinks that Nymeria would probably hate her for everything she did, and this line of thinking kind of feels like a mirror for how Arya feels about her mother, wondering, like, will, will her mother still accept her after everything later on? And I will say, to be honest, I do think that both Catelyn Stark and Lady Stoneheart would accept her. I think Lady Stoneheart obviously would be like, wow, your body count is so low. Let me tell you. And <laughs> <laughs> let me show you how it's done, kid. This is how we kill people. But honestly, truly, I do even think that the Catelyn Stark pre-death, right, that we meet early in Storm, and even by the time she dies, the Catelyn who also has lost Bran and Rickon, and not yet Rob, because that's like literally at the end of her life. Um, <laughs> I think she would actually understand or even kind of envy to an extent Arya's like very her her pragmatism when it comes to murder yeah that's a great point and and it's so sad because of everything Catalin does to get her back you know that Arya was made to feel this ostracized from things that are being you know exacerbated by the fact that her entire family's dead and she's living in pretty much horrible conditions trying to survive like obviously floating that but like that they also led her to that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. That she felt that way in her family and felt so separate from her mom's ideals of what a lady should be, that that affected her so much. Like, that's so unfair to put on her. Yeah. Like, of course, Catelyn would take her back. Catelyn fucking freed Jamie Lannister on a whim and was like, please fucking find them. Yeah. Fucking find them. And Jamie almost didn't if it wasn't for the weird fucking boner he got about Brienne honestly yeah that's true she if really he hadn't woken up with a weird boner for brienne mm -hmm. and i mean like you i mean catelyn even is like i would like to kill them i would like to kill the lannisters so i think she gets it gotta point out wolves do eat babies in fact in a dance with dragons in the prologue a wolf eats a baby just floating that idea just saying Arya, no big deal cute though to pretend and i think there is a lot of that right like she sees that happen real time at the red wedding where some of the wolves turn and are no longer loyal not all wolves are loyal it's cute to pretend though That's she'll true. learn unfortunately they are not the whole thing about alpha wolves and that kind of loyalty was done in faulty experiments that has been debunked but anyways <laughs> um yeah Wolves, I, the only reason I could imagine them not, this is not a helpful line of thinking, eating babies is I guess they might be like, this is not that tasty, there's not very much meat, they would not go after that, but yes, they absolutely would, and as you said, they do in dance, and yeah, I don't know, just sad about her, being like, will Nymeria even still like me, or will she hate me? Honestly, I don't know, I do wonder that, because animals... Do not understand feelings in that same way. Thankfully, her animal is psychic, connected, and linked to her body. True. True. So Doesn't we'll mean she'll forgive her, but we'll see. I think she will. That's interesting to think about, too. I love that Arya, you know, has all these moments where she's accidentally outing herself <laughs> in the journey, and bit by bit, Yorin's like, bitch, you need to shut up and get out. What are you doing? You are giving away your status and who you are so easily. And it's these little things that she's learning how to counteract and how to act, right? 
Uh, it kind of reminds me of Sansa in the last chapter that, you know, her jaw dropped as Joffrey almost murders Dantos when to survive. Yeah, she has to shut her mouth a little bit. And we see it in Elaine chapters, too, where she forgets herself over Jon Snow as Lord Commander. Uh, kind of these little moments where they're not very good at being in hiding. They're working on it. They are. And I think it's actually great to see that in these class chapters when you compare it with who they become in the later books and how adept they become at it. Mm -hmm. I do like this reminder, though, of the ferocity of Nymeria and then like that whole bit about the wolves defeating the dogs and like all the dogs like being gone because i do think it is meant to be foreshadowing perhaps or likely a showdown with ramsey and i'm actually going off of the notes that george r, r. martin left um in the screenplay when he wrote the lion and the rose the game of thrones episode he actually had left a note for the producers that meant absolutely fucking nothing in the long run unfortunately because <laughs> of the way the show went and the fact that we're still waiting on these books but we have a note here that he left of a note for future reference. A season or two down the line, Ramsay's pack of wolfhounds are going to be sent against the Stark direwolves, so we should build up the dogs as much as possible in this and subsequent episodes. Think of what they stole from you. Think of what they took from you, everyone. So Think of it. We're going to show up at Amanda Pete's husband's oh house. And we are going to... I'm just kidding. We're oh. not going to do that, but... Think of what they took from you. Can you imagine the Battle of the Bastards, but with this and a plot? And with dogs? I don't, I mean, I guess I would be sad about the dogs dying. Yeah, but me too. it would be, I don't know, it would be really interesting and cool. Like, I feel like, what, what did it mean? What was actually going to happen? Why did we not bring back the wolf pack to do cool things? And not just, that's not you? I don't know. I, I, don't, I feel there's an argument, though, for that, too. But I agree. Yeah. So I agree what you're saying. Wolves do, in fact, eat babies. But Arya adamantly saying wolves don't eat babies. When you think about it in the context of the Stark family, ignoring the part where, yes, the Stark soldiers also do bad things, I it feels a little bit like wolves don't eat babies. We don't kill kids. Ned Stark's commitment to protecting the innocents, especially children, mm. right? When he was all like, all right, all right, Cersei Lannister, I'm going to give you a chance to escape the city so that your kids survive. Which actually, now that I think about it, if Cersei had done that, maybe her kids really all wouldn't have died instead of what's going to happen now. Anyway, I but haven't thought about of that prophecy, they were always going to die, so he was always going to tell them. Well, and that's on Doctor Who. That's oh, on okay. a. That's on you know we're writing this plot line in ink. This is a fixed point in time. The I prophecy. Think, I think they're going to learn to change it somehow. I don't know how yet. We'll figure it out one day. Those kids are going to get out of there. I mean, look at uh, that. They changed the future of everything in Game of Thrones. The wolves were supposed to fight the dogs. Anything could happen, Chloe. We could still win. Uh, Yorin <gasps> kicks her out until she learns to shut her mouth when men are talking. And she goes to the stables, which is where we meet the third of the very dangerous locked-up wagon trio, finally. George cleverly does not reveal the third's name until now, because he's no man. He is no one. Until the first moment where Jacques and Hagar speaks. He lifts an empty tankard and asks Addy, the lovely boy, to quench his taste for beer, saying he could use a bath, too, that a boy could make a friend. Arya's like, I have friends, thanks. And the noseless man says, not that I can see. Rude. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't, you loser. You don't have any friends. 
Uh, so the lovely boy, it's an interesting phrase, right? I think he's kind of hinting that, oh, he knows that Arya's in disguise, right? It's not, they're not terms that you usually see put together unless, I don't know, something else is going on. Mm-hmm. It kind of tips you off that, oh, interesting Jockin can see through the disguise, knows it when he sees it, and is very well trained in it. Because that's his job. Disguise. Beach. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, uh, his job <laughs> is beach. So then we have uh we have this line he was squatting thick with huge hands black hair covered his arms and legs and chest even his back he reminded Arya of a drawing she had once seen in a book of an ape from the summer isles the hole in his face made it hard to look at him for long the bald one opened his mouth and hissed like some immense white lizard when Arya flinched back, startled, he opened his mouth wide and waggled his tongue at her. Only it was more a stump than a tongue. Stop that, she blurted. A man does not choose his companions in the black cells. The handsome one with the red and white hair said. Ooh, some great interesting visuals going on. Questionable and interesting visuals. The way he speaks reminds her of Sirio, but different. The noseless one calls Arya lumpy head and calls the red and white-haired man Lorath, saying Ari will hit him with a stick if he isn't careful. Yeah, so on one hand, it's probably because the Lorathi dialect, it's it's probably a little similar, right? But not exactly, based on their religion. And as we discussed in our Free Cities episode on Lorath, that series Woo! that we will get back to at some point. But yeah, dialects across the free cities, they're related. They've got this shared culture. But on the other hand, I think there's an aspect of which Sirio, let's be real, Jock and Hagar also lived in Bravo, same as Sirio, because that's where the House of Black and White is located. So he was there for a long time. And I'm kind of like, is Arya actually just learning to listen very well? Like maybe Jockin's not super great at practicing. Who knows? Also, I just can't believe that Rorge corrects Jockin and is like, no, this one's not named Ari, it's named Lumpyhead. <laughs> Rude. What do you mean you can't believe it? It's true. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is uh, <laughs> this character's Christian name, given at birth, Lumpyhead. Christian. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jockin introduces himself, once of the free city of Lorath. His companions, Rorge and Biter, who bears his sharpened teeth, though unable to speak for the lack of tongue. Yeah, there's a line. I thought it was kind of interesting and fun. The, are you charmed in terms of meeting? And it feels like this whole thing, right? You're meeting someone who turns out is magical. It's like a twisted fairy tale. There's three of them in there. Now that I think about it, Jack and Hagar is kind of like a fucked up genie, murder genie. I think other people have called him murder genie before, but he's like a fucked up genie slash fairy godmother. <laughs> You know, but for murder. Almost like a Rumpelstiltskin kind of character. Yeah, yeah. Because and we don't get the reveal of who he is until now. We never get his real name, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Arya says no, though. He's like, no. This is not charming. I don't know. Something about Biter makes me think of, like, Illin Payne, right? Biter is what Illin Payne could have become. Someone who, without the ability to write, to speak, and in that isolation, just completely loses his humanity, but we see that Ill in pain, despite being very scary for obvious reasons in that he killed dad. Um, he has a lot of humanity there. <laughs> and in Sansa's plot, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I like that, especially with the, the ghosts of Sansa's plot, too. For her, it's mm. a lot to see Ill in pain all the time, and so this is almost a mini reminder for Arya as well with the tongue. 
Arya backs away, telling herself they can't hurt her. They're all chained. This is me, like, in a haunted house. I hate haunted houses. And whenever I go to them, you'll just hear me mummering to myself, being like, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. Like, don't fucking look at me. Fucking hate haunted houses. I just um, don't go <clears throat> in haunted houses. <laughs> I won't. I stopped. I tried. Never again. No more. No more. It's funny. Emmett won't do roller coasters. I won't do haunted houses. Don't know how that works. I just, I guess, don't do anything. I'll just sit outside and be mom (laughs) when all of you go to the theme park. You'll just get a little beer? Her job is beer. Yeah, my job is beer. (laughs) Rorge flings his cup at Arya, commanding her to get them beer. And Arya's like, what would Sirium do? And she draws her sword and gets closer. Rorge threatens to fuck her bloody with it if she comes closer, but Arya pushes herself to approach them, repeating her mantra in her head. Biter grabs for her, irons clanking and rattling, and comes up short, half a foot from her face. She hits him between the eyes. Uh, This fight especially has great language of the back and forth of her moving, and I feel like there's something here similar to Jane Heddle and Brienne. Right, and of course, Gendry meeting this same exact crew of Rorge and Biter once more at the inn at the crossroads. There's just something about that where we have yet another brunette Jane who isn't mm. Arya Stark, though she's confused as Arya Stark for just a quick moment from Brienne. Uh, and of course, Gendry gets to meet the crew again, all over again. Yeah, that's right. He does. Great. He's comparison. there. He is. He is. And I mean, he's acting kind of like a true knight, right? Helping everyone out. A blacksmith. Whatever. Both. A little both. The smith himself. Oh. True. Jacken says that a boy has more courage than sense, and they are interrupted then by the bull, asking what she is doing, and reminds her, Yorn says, don't talk to these prisoners, and, because <laughs> Arya's like, uh, they don't scare me, and Ar- Gendry is a smart person who says that, no, actually, those people do scare me. I am very big. But Gendry, he's confident. You know, he's confident enough to be like, I don't have to put on any bravado. They are very scary. Also, I think Gendry <laughs> has street smarts and is like, uh, I don't go looking for trouble. Arya doesn't quite have that yet at all. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but she does follow him for what it's worth to the inn, asking if he wants to fight with her. And he's like, I would hurt you. Arya argues, this is good steel. And they pose, ready to dance. But in come, interrupting the day. The gold cloaks. I don't know if this is like a Gendria thing moment. I don't know. Them getting ready to dance and spar makes me think a little bit of Jamie and Brienne when he gets out of his chains and then they fight with swords and it's actually very sexually charged. I'm not saying this is like a sexually charged moment, but I'm like, is it meant to be, I don't know, some sort of romantic thing? George might be into that. I think there's something there, especially when you think about the in at the crossroads framing with the characters that are there. I definitely think there's... Something drawing Arya back to the Riverlands later, and Jamie and Brienne's central plot being located here. Oh, There's true. something kind of connecting their plots. Is it I Lady would say Stoneheart? Personally. <laughs> I would say personally, yes. Dun dun dun. Uh, all rivers lead to a home, and by Mercy. home I mean my mom's home. <laughs> yep. Look with your eyes, Sirio's voice echoes in her head, and she watches the men and their horses, who looked like they'd been ridden too hard and too long. She draws the bull behind a hedge, and they watch the gold cloaks questioning some of the men in their group outside of the bathhouse. 
The gold cloaks say they have a warrant for a certain boy, and Yorin steps out to deal with the gold cloaks. Arya whispers to the bull, they're looking for me. And the bull's like, why the fuck would they want you? Oh, <laughs> uh, so I thought this was a fun detail where Arya, right after saying they want her, like suddenly the next line for no fucking reason is she notices the smell of soap coming from Gendry's ear. And I just thought that was a nice way that George shows and doesn't tell what's going on, right? She thinks that they want her because she is in hiding, and that's shown by the fact that she cannot get clean. She smells real bad because she's in hiding, and the dirt keeping her safe. Gentry, though, presumably, until this moment, is safe enough and can be a man, feels that he can just be public about that and therefore bathe, can just go about the world with that strength, without fear. Funnily enough, he's not wearing his helm much, right? Yeah. Uh, and we see that becomes a state of identification. Why would you wear that helm when literally your nickname's the bull and everyone knows where that helm came from? It came from you working at the smith because you were Tobomot's apprentice. True. And that's identifying, you know, that's a dead giveaway of he's the person they're looking for, that, that bull helm. Kind of makes me wonder if something will change with his identity, same as with the hound. But also, unfortunately for Gendry, his face is also a dead giveaway because he looks just like Robert Baratheon and Renly. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think about Arya's sword, too, as the identifier Ooh. for her when she comes home against the Jane Arya... The Janes of the world. All the different Janes the that are Janes Arya's. The of the world, yeah. The Arya pretenders, though, yeah. It, it makes me think, you know, there's a little Cinderella story in Sansa losing her shoe when she gets, like, mm -hmm. shaken over the fucking veil by her aunt. Yeah. And for Arya, uh, her trying the shoe on is that she has the sword. That's her indicator that she's who she is. Yep. Same as how Rickon has his wolf. For now. Ah. Meanwhile, Yorin is looking at the warrant ribbon sealed with golden wax and calls it pretty but spits, saying, this boy's in the watch now and no one can take him. Arya's thinking about running, but she knows she wouldn't get far, and she's just so tired of running. If she was better, faster, stronger, harder, uh, she would head out there and kill them all with needle and never have to run again. This reminds me of that line from Bran, especially now that he can no longer walk, when he dreams of, like, he wants to become his wolf and fight everyone because he can't get out of bed. Uh, and how depressed he is, but he's just, like, so mad and, and fierce, and just the only thing he has in the world is to fight, right? To to kill, fight, anything. Just be the wolf, not feel that pain. And for Arya, that's that first reaction for her, too, right? She's choosing, like, I could fix it by killing everyone. I could just kill everyone, fix it, get out of here. That's not the solution, baby girl. Womp, womp, womp. Interestingly, that is, I guess, kind of what Tywin thinks, right? He's like, I just have, if I could just kill them, all my problems will be solved. It does not yep, solve the problem. And he problems. dies. Yeah. And he dies, thank God. The gold cloaks threaten Yorin that they have five men, and Yorin's like, I've got 30. Yorin's charges then all start standing up to fight, saying that they're first, and then Hot Pie scrambles out on all fours to find a big rock to throw. And then we have this little line here of, Arya could not believe what she was seeing. She hated Hot Pie! Why would he risk himself for her? The one with the broken nose still thought it was funny. I love this. I want to call it out because Arya's like, I'm the main character. And of course, why <laughs> Actually, wouldn't she yeah, think she literally. is? I mean, 
She is. Why wouldn't she think she is? Yeah. It's very funny, though. And I love that Hot Pie's doing what he's best at, getting the rock and the emotion she swells with thinking it's about her. When in reality, no, like, we don't know it's about her. Though also really funny, Gendry has a lot more leadership cred than she does. So I'm like, Arya, Arya, Arya. It's Gendry, though, right? Hysterically, this is Gendry. And Gendry has that same problem as John, right? Like a quote unquote king's quote unquote bastard. Uh, but Arya doesn't know that. Very funny that she's like, it's me. I'm the princess. They want me. Defend me. And it's like, no, no, Arya, don't give yourself away. Almost giving herself away again, right? Just like with the wolves, like when everyone was talking about her dad and talking about the wolves and Rob. If someone started adding these clues up, they'd figure it out, which Gendry kind of does in a way. He knows something's up. Yeah, because he's a smart boy who knows to be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's Arya was never taught fear. Settle down. Well, that's the thing, right? She wasn't really taught fear until now, right? And she thinks that they're after her because that's all that's been happening the past few weeks. She's like, oh, God, they're after me. Like, what what trauma? That's just what she falls back on. She's like, they're after me. She's got such anxiety. Something that I think is really beautiful, though, in this moment is actually, you know, we do the first time around, of course, assume that it is Arya that they're looking for because that's what we think. And... Actually, no one in the Night's Watch except for Yorin knows who the Gold Cloaks are looking for yet. They have no idea whomstidav among them is the person in the warrant. Yet they all come out and they defend whoever the fuck it is anyway. And I love that because they are acting as brothers. They are defending mm. each other. That's their new family. And Arya, you know, her impulse is to run or to kill, right? To fight or flight. Literally fight or flight. Those are her options, the instincts. She's going back to those base animal instincts as a wolf, I guess. Um, And she thinks that safety (laughs) and power is being able to just kill all of her enemies, right? That's that fight. The gold cloaks, a little bit like Ned, but in a different way. They think that this paper is going to be what defends them. Or maybe they're like Arya, right? They're like, well, I have a fucking sword and I have five people and we're all going to kick your ass, right? They think that power comes from the sword violence or, or that law. But I think what's beautiful about this moment with the Night's Watchmen brothers, I'm going to call them brothers now even though they never fucking make it to the wall, is they show that there's a different kind of safety and it's this, right? Standing up for each other, protecting each other, it's family. Dom Toretto comes out and he makes oh my a cameo. God. Oh my god. <laughs> family. Kendall Roy comes out banging on the door. Family therapy. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a crossover uh-huh. I need. Dom Toretto and Kendall Roy. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like kind of their first banding together, their first bit of solidarity since Parade died. That's true. Yeah. There are a few defining, yeah, like a moment that of stress. Positive masculinity. Hmm. It does mm. exist. It actually we does found exist. It. Arya stands up too, thinking she won't let them die for her like Sirio. <laughs> oh, poor girl. She steps forward, brandishing her sword. One of the gold cloaks says, put the blade away, little girl. And she shouts furious, saying, I'm not a little girl. In a voice that's very convincing, I'm sure. <laughs> She's starting to get mad now. Poor Arya. She's so small. She is. <laughs> She's nine years old. Brandishing her skinny little arm, yelling, I'm not a little girl. Uh, that's what my cat Allie sounds like. That's her voice. I can hear it. She's Arya. She's starting to get really mad about it, realizing 
they don't get it's her they're chasing. She's like, I'm right here. Why are they not chasing me? <laughs> She's like, I'm the one you're looking for. And they laugh again and they point at the bull and they say, no, 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 no. It's him that we're looking for. Yeah, Arrested Development, when they play on the gag, him? For real. Nobody expected it to be Gendry, and Yorin takes this moment of confusion to press steel against some of the throats of these cloaks, Yorin. telling them, yeah, right, Yorin is the man. Yorin. He's like, I have more men in the inn, so get the fuck out. One of the men's swords falls to the ground, and Yorin's like, we'll be keeping that. We need some good steel on the wall. Thanks for the respect. Uh, the cloaks threaten that next time they'll kill Yorin too when they return, as well as the bastard boy's head. And Yorin says, who wants the sword? Hot Pie claims it. And Yorin's Aww. like, please don't use that on Aerie. <laughs> LOL. Lumpy <laughs> The gold cloaks, lumpy head, don't give her any new lumps is what I'm saying. The gold cloaks leave. Yorin tells the bull, the queen wants you bad. Arya's like, why would the queen want you? The bull returns that, and he's like, I don't know why she want. Why would she want you, you dirty little gutter rat, which is the cutest nickname. <laughs> I'm going to call you that, like my little gutter real, rat. Real. <laughs> so you, bestie. Oh my god, you filthy little gutter rat, Eliana. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say it all the time. In a different way. Um, wow. wow. And that's for free. Imagine what you get on Patreon. Oh my gosh. You know, it's just that. It's more of that. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> We had this exchange. Well, you're nothing but a bastard boy. Or maybe he was only pretending to be a bastard boy. What's your true name? Gendry, he said. Like he wasn't quite sure. I just think it's funny because that's still not his true name, right? Yeah, it's not technically, I guess. He doesn't know Gendry he has rivers, I guess. Waters? Either. Oh, no, you're right. Waters. Yeah, Gendry waters. waters. He doesn't know that he's a Waters even because you only get a cool like element thing added onto your name when you know that you're like a highborn bastard otherwise you're just you were just your first name like prince i guess he's our first royal bastard that we meet in the flesh yeah wait maya oh wait no in the oh books. in no in book one in book one he is the first never mind never mind, never mind. yeah mm-hmm. yeah he is but then the first. maya yeah then blood raven i hope we meet more of them oh yeah would you argue that blood raven is actually the first because we meet him as a borb no, in flesh. That's why I said <laughs> oh, in the flesh. Yeah, I see. like I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. never mind. I'm being specific for that purpose. I actually kind of wondered if I could gotcha if you would say it. Mm. Yeah, if you could. Get Sometimes me to I like it. gotcha, gotcha. I like to get a couple gotcha moments in. Sometimes, like that thing on your ceiling right now. Yeah, you like to you like to try and get the gotchas, and I just like to get a rise out of you. See what I can do to. <laughs> You know, I have to say, before we finish out the chapter, there was a great conversation on Blue Sky the other day where I think it was our friend Jash mentioned, uh, he was like, he said, you know, there are these great moments that get me every time where Eliana will make a joke. And I don't know if it's the editing or if it's actually you guys, but Chloe just doesn't respond. And she just like takes a beat and then she just jumps into the next thing. And I'm like, oh, no, that's real. That's That's not edited. That's yeah, they because they can't see. There is a reaction. It's just only on Chloe's face. It's it's a little like, what am I doing here? There's a slight smile because she's like giving up on life, but it's also a little bit like that Lisa Simpson <laughs> meme she was telling us about earlier. <laughs> Make sure to check the episode details so you can see the meme yep. and understand the live action of me going. <laughs> Anyways, so Yorin says they can't have either of them, regardless. But he puts 
both of these kids onto two strong coursers, saying that if the gold cloaks come knocking again, Ari and Gendry need to ride for the wall like a dragon's on their tail. What? Arya reminds him they threaten to take Yorin's head. She's like, new dad, what are you going to do? They want to chop your head off too, just like my old dad. <laughs> Yorin says that if they can get it off his shoulders, they're welcome to it. And that's how we end the chapter. Yeah, I am realizing now that Yorin being like, you idiots, we didn't fucking win when Hot Pie is whooping. And he's like, we have to leave now. That is, again, another good example of Hey, turns out fear is sometimes a good thing, Arya. Sometimes we should be scared and do things and run away. Like, this is the flight- Yeah, and save our own lives. Yeah, this is the flight response after they almost did the fight. Yeah, the goal was de-escalate and run. Mm-hmm. Not strong enough to win. Yeah, and unfortunately, they do- They should have just killed those five guys now. Honestly, maybe Arya was right. They should have fought. They should have killed those guys. And then those guys would have never caught up to them later on. And then Yorin would have not died, if you really think about it. No, not five guys. Your burgers are so sexy. (laughs) That's right. We should have killed them and eaten them. Like burgers. Like burgers. Five guys. Mm. That's moral. I mean, it would have given them more of a lead time. But also, once they found them, it could be a big problem. They wouldn't find them if they ate them as burgers. Oh my god. All right. All right. Wow. Speaking of burgers, this you have not- something to tell us of value. This has nothing of burgers. <laughs> that was a that segue makes no sense, but thank you. Uh, I would have said speaking of the morals, I guess. I don't know. You know, we do get a clash of values here, right? In this chapter, we have this old way. <laughs> the value. Chloe's like that little lemur, you know, the lemur gif where he's just like holding his hands up. Like, what is, what, what? Uh, So we have the old way, not necessarily that of the North or the First Men, but this idea of like values that make up what the Night's Watch should have been or the idea that the Night's Watch, once you're in it, you kind of get your sins washed away. But in general, like these core principles that run deeper than any sheet of paper or law or ruler, kind of like the ones that Ned followed. Right, Ned, who was like, this is more important than the law when he goes against this king's final wishes, when he uses different wording than Robert gives him when writing that will, or when Ned's like, I have to go hide children, specifically a royal bastard and a Stark, just like Yorin is also doing. But Yorin, the royal bastard and the Stark are actually two different people this time, unlike it was for Ned. And then... Hmm. You have those people with a different set of values, right? They've kind of forgotten that these laws are meant to protect people, that they're supposed to be upholding justice, these gold cloaks, right? And those who follow a law, you know, they're they're following the law just because someone told them what to do, someone who wields more power than them and believes that the power derives from that person, right? Again, varies this riddle and, and that power derives from this paper, just because of that person's blood, or maybe because they, as the gold cloaks, feel that they can spill blood, so. Yeah, they feel empowered, right? They feel empowered that they can kill, but to the point of what you and I just discussed, you know, the Night's Watch can't kill them in defense without being in trouble. I mean, what are they going to do? Send them to the Night's Watch, but I mean, honestly, yeah, they could just send them to the Night's Watch, but yeah, they'd probably be executed. They're already on a perilous journey with no guard, no honor guard sent from the capital. No one cares where they're going. 
they have to make this entire trip going north well like dying by virtue of being Night's Watchmen who have taken that pledge, right, which back then was seen as something very honorable, that's supposed to be its own protection and honor guard, you know? People are supposed to respect that, and these people are not. Right. Because no one gives a shit about them anymore, it's bullshit. Unfortunately, people do give sh- a shit about them, I guess, which is why Gendry and Arya are in hiding. My god. <sighs> well, that's it. Well, another chapter gone by i look forward to our next aria chapter next week we'll be back with aria 3 our 200th a song of ice and fire episode wow official official quote unquote i mean many many more many more Uh, i look forward to that we'll have our first guest coming on for aria 4 uh i wish we had a who's that pokemon segment who's that pokemon so you could guess, but they're amazing. The person that's going to come on, I want you to speculate till next episode because they're awesome. You know, we've worked with them before in a couple capacities, but never had them on for the main A Song of Ice and Fire shindig. And I look forward to it. So, Me too. I like, this is interesting. Back then, we used to only hint at who's the next POV. Now we're, now we're playing guessing games. Who's the next guest? Listen, we're getting down there on POVs, so I have to have fun where I can get it. <laughs> now we're using real people. <laughs> uh, what is this, Saw? Thanks oh for listening, God. everyone. This is not like Saw. This is not uh, like Saw. Coming on the podcast was not like Saw. As always, we are going to let our patrons lead us on out. But first, uh, make sure you're following us on the social medias. Right, Eliana? Yeah. Because it is growing. Not only can you find us on Twitter at Girls Gone Canon, that's C-A-N-O-N, you can also find us on Blue Sky. But maybe you have thoughts. You can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com, where we will read them aloud. Asterisk. If we want yeah. to. <laughs> get ready. Get ready. Give us a good email, a good comment. It could get on here. Asterisk. We're a bad one. Yeah. I like all of them. They, uh, they, they're interesting. They're all interesting. True. And a big thank you to our patrons who sponsor us. And when I say sponsor us, every episode we do probably could not happen without their support. They give us their money, which is very, very kind. I'm still wondering what the value is for them, but it must be this podcast and the, the bonus episodes and the Discord and some of the other fun stuff we do. So thanks for supporting. Keep doing it if you want or not. And listen to what we have to offer from our patrons. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord, and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by. Join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this perilous journey around the God's Eye. I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. 
I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana, or Gutter Rat. <laughs> Fucking filthy little Gutter Rat. What the fuck? Uh, lumpy head. No, is that me? Am I lumpy? No, I gave you a choice last episode. Do you want to oh, be lumpy right. head or lumpy face? And you're like, I don't want to be either. And I was like, fine. We'll figure fine. out my name. Maybe I'm just no one. Maybe I'm wow. just no one. Wow. Deep. See you next week.